So, so one of the things that I actually think is a huge positive that came out of COVID in the last couple of years is that we're all waking up to the poisons that have been, that have been injected in our, I mean, fill in the blank, you know, our food supply, our water supply, our bodies, our medicines, our pharmaceuticals. I mean, they're just coming at us from every angle. And I think that the fact that you guys tackle this is a very, very positive thing. And it's a very, very important thing because I think this is the way of the future, wellness and the healing that needs to, the healing that needs to take place. So first of all, before we, before we get into that, tell us, tell me your thoughts on that the last couple of years and, and the awakening that's going on, at least on the health side. Well, I think the last couple of years have been revolutionary in our thinking. You know, we went on there for 50 to 75 years believing that the government knew what they were doing with our health. I mean, that's not what my wife and I thought, but that's what the majority of America thought. And that's what gave them the platform or the roadway to get us to the point of compliance, just believing because they used this statement, trust the science. But let us not forget that was a deceitful play on words, Mike, because science has never been de described or defined as a concrete thing. Science is really what's left over after people like us have questioned why it's not. Why doesn't this work? Why is this garbage? Why is this bunk? Why is this not true? The wise that ask questions of what we think is science are the true heroes out here. And what's left over after you poked holes in it is what we deem to be science. In other words, the best we know to be true right now. And the naysayers that say that's not true, they're the ones that capitalized on our naivety over the last three years, believing that it was a concrete thing. And it's our bodies are so dynamic that I think the last three years has been uh, extraordinary about getting people to begin to finally question that. And I think that's that's a big victory. Don't you think there is a deficit in this country? And I, I include myself in this in this group of critical thinking. Right. John Droz speaks about this all the time. There is a lack of critical thinking. And I'm not saying that you have to be suspicious of every single thing because, you know, taken to extremes that can get absurd as well. But I think yeah. I think we're at the other extreme now, or at least we have been up until the last couple of years where everything has been accepted at, at face at face value. Don't you think we have to be a little bit more analytical these days? I think we do. And I'll give you kind of a right brain, left brain, factual um, reason why I don't think we have been. It's because when we're living in this emotion-based side of our brain, we're more reactionary. We don't have time for analytical thinking or logical thinking or input like that because we're so having to deal with the emergency right now. I mean, it doesn't matter which side you look at, whether the extreme left or the extreme right or left right or conservative, not liberal, whatever way you want to define it, both have really understood if they want to communicate a message to get action of urgency, you have to communicate it with the fear in mind. It's got to be now. We're in emergency. And that's not a bad thing, you know, sometimes. But when it's all the time, 24-7, 365, this inundation of information we have at us, at our fingertips, it's coming at us and we're not shutting it off. We live perpetually reactionary, Mike, and what happens in that point is time is we forget the beauty of critical thinking, which allows us to truly make a good, well-informed, informed consent decision. I, th I think that is so spot on. I mean, if you turn on any mainstream 
news program these days. What are they? There, it's a it's a state of constant fear. This crime that happened, this tornado that's about to touch down, this health scare that's going on. There's never, and I'm not saying you have to be pie in the sky, good news all the time. But what is the effect on a society writ large when these are the only messages being drilled into us, like you say, 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Fascinatingly so, when we live like that, it does some extraordinarily negative things to our physical body, especially our defense system. And I'll I'll communicate like this so that people understand this, because this is really important. Our health right now in America is the worst it's been in the history of mankind's existence. Mm-hmm. America leads the way with most expenditures through this faux healthcare system and lack of return. We're near the bottom of results, in other words, of health compared to all the other industrialized nations. Now, with that said, why is that? Because when we're consistently living in fear, consistently not logically thinking through issues, consistently reactionary, we're producing a hormone called cortisol. Now, that's not a bad hormone. That's to keep us alive. If we're being chased by a bear, we have to run to catch something to stay alive. (laughs) However, you know, this is a big deal when we're pushing cortisol all the time. I call this hypercortisolemia or hypocortisolemic living. We push the cortisol outside of us to deal with what's out here in front of us, around us, surrounding us, or getting ready to engulf us. Something we have to take action to right now. And it shifts the attention of our defenses to everything outside of us. And it attracts from what's inside of us, things like viruses, bacteria, parasites that are really part of life, but something that was part of life that was not meant to be harmful, all of a sudden now becomes a problem because we don't have any defenses inside. Mm -hmm. Our immune system becomes subdued in its ability to respond internally and protect us because that's not important right now. We are about to die right now. And I hope that illustration makes good sense. It makes perfect sense. What what grade you spoke about the national health level, what grade would you give us these days? The, our, our health system, our health as a nation these days? It, honestly, and, and this is, Mike, I've had a passion about this. My wife and I saw a problem, went after it to create a solution, right? A long time ago. This is not, we're, we're not the the up-and-coming COVID people that just did this because we saw it in COVID. No, we've been fighting this battle for a long time, man. Yeah. On a grading scale of A to F, there is no higher, no lower grade that I could go an F minus. And it would be an F minus. It would be an actually a Z if you could go down the alphabet all the way. <laughs> it is it is pathetic. And I'll tell you what makes it sick. Don't, what makes don't me hold sick. back. Don't hold back, Doc. Tell us exactly uh, how you're I won't. I think it's terrible. I think yeah. you look at the pharmaceutical industry, 1.7 trillion dollars. You look at the way they're able to advertise to our public, one of two nations in the world, us in New Zealand. You look at the way politicians who are law and policymakers and budget control people have allowed our budget to run out of control in critical debt. We know that disease model is the way that pharmaceutical agencies profit. And we know the politicians take money from big pharma. What a horrible situation. It couldn't get any worse. We have become so, and even even our people on our side, we have become become so deceived and so blind. And I'm I'm going to use something maybe a little little harsh right now, but I think it's important to point out in this way because we've got to start thinking through it. 
On one side, we said, you know what? How dare you push these vaccines on us, you big pharma people? How dare you say that we can't do this? But don't you dare keep us away from ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you know, azithromycin or budesonide. Look, Mike, it's the same pot. It's the mm. same pot of big pharma. Now, I'm not saying that drugs are bad at all. I'm using this as an illustration. Hippocrates, the father of modern-day medicine, said three things that are most powerful 3,000 years ago. He said, let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. One, he said that health begins in the gut. Two, and he said disease begins in the colon. Three, the same situation that's perpetuated what we have now is completely perpetuated more by subsidizing the standard American diet, Western lifestyle, making it cheap, making it available for people, and absolutely continuing to enslave Americans across this country. Well, this is so this is fascinating. And I'm glad that you you brought that up because you guys are talking about a subject called biohacking these days. I want you to tell the folks what biohacking is and why you think it's so important. Well, biohacking is a term that I like to interplay with the ability to to hack a gaming system. Everybody wants to know the cheat codes, right? How do you cheat code and win? Well, we might look at biohacking, the human body kind of looking for the cheat codes, but they're not cheat codes at all. They've always been available. They've always been available through critical thinking, as you talk about. So we want to come up with the things that we can do to optimize the performance, optimize the biological aging process of the human experience versus just depending on chronology. For example, today, as we know, the life expectancy of Americans has declined over the last three years. First time that's happened in several decades. Mm. I believe it's about 78, 79 for ladies now and probably 72 or three for men. Mm. Okay. We've accepted the idea that 80 years old is a long life. Well, my question is, why? Because we're comparing that to a scale based upon history of chronological aging correct? as opposed to biological aging. correct? I believe that the body's biological aging potential, in other words, the organ span potential, is probably around 120 years. That doesn't mean we're going to live that long. It just means that there is a potential for organ systems, much like a car. You know, the engine has a lifespan, I'm sure. But if you take good care of a classic car, it will look better longer and run better longer. And it still looks like it hasn't aged a bit. Mankind's existence does not need to be gauged by this system that's turned out to be a major point of contention. I just pointed out how bad it is. I don't know how we can even relate anything to that. But I believe that mankind can live better, younger, older, and also die younger, older. And I'm not trying to increase more years in life. I'm really trying to increase more life in the years. And we've been able to to do that. We've been able to see that real time. And we're able now to even test the biological aging process, which is fascinating. And this should be mainstream, but it's not, I don't think, uh, today, and I don't think it ever will be. Well, we've all seen these memes that are going around social media these days where they, they juxtapose, 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 I can't get the word out, juxtapose <laughs> a picture of beachgoers back mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s. And every single one of them to a, to a person 
look thin and healthy. Yeah. And then they put the picture of modern day beachgoers and there, there's a lot of obesity in that picture. There's a lot of people who are overweight. I mean, I'm, you know, a few pounds overweight as, as I think we all are. What happened in the eighties where the obesity, you see the graph and it's going like this through the fifties, sixties and seventies. And then all of a sudden the eighties hit and here we go on this, on this magic ride. What happened? Well, there's two things that you could associate with that time frame in history. One, people don't realize this, but when we transferred vaccines and the liability therein to the government, we went from about four or five vaccines a year for people under two to about 25 for people under two in one year. Because that's one. And remember, vaccines, good or bad, whatever we want to think about those, they do drive the immune system and provoke it, right? They provoke the immune system to respond, creating inflammation by design. The second thing that happened was the food pyramid. The government got this great idea that said, we know how to care for our people because they're too stupid to know how to eat well. I know we've been doing this for thousands of years, but you know what? They're too stupid. We need to give them some guidance. And they created this ridiculous scheme. I use that word intentionally to say, eat six to 11 servings of grain. And then they began to demonize fat. They right. didn't talk about sugar, but they made all these processed foods, and so they began to subsidize. In other words, the government gave money, your money and my money, taxpayer money, to food manufacturers and to farmers to begin to subsidize these genetically altered, these pollution-filled crops mm. to make this produce that they thought was better. Mm. Those two things happened. At the same time, and you got you remember the same time we were educated on that in school. Oh, I I, I remember the poster of the food pyramid from my elementary school days vividly. Yes, I, I, I could almost recite it to you. But so, so is it? It's wrong. The pyramid. It's terrible. You know, mm. the bottom line is, we were never designed to eat that many servings of breads and grains. We were never designed to avoid fats. And we were never designed to eat that much dairy. And mm. certainly, we've been fooled to believe that we should. What we were designed to do is eat real food, fruits, vegetables, good, clean uh, proteins, and good, healthy fats. See, when the body sees processed foods, it looks at that like an enemy invader. The same immune system that's triggered by the vaccines, et cetera, is triggered again by these faux or frankenfoods, as I call them. And then that signals inflammation. We are living in a chronically inflamed society and chronically inflamed people. Chronic inflammation systemic, Mike, is the precursor for all disease processes. So from the mid-80s onwards, we've seen obesity rise to astronomical proportions to become the number one fastest growing non-communicable disease in the history of mankind's existence. We've seen autoimmune dise diseases rage out of control. Yes. We're now seeing Alzheimer's dementia. Yes. Wow. We're yes. seeing cancers that are going to overtake heart disease as the number one killer in our country, I predict, in the next 20 years. We haven't seen decline in uh, heart disease. We've seen decline in death, but we're seeing more management of disease come along, and big pharma is loving it. They've got us believing that the answer to health care, I'm using air quotes here, health care, is found in big pharma. 
And we need to understand that doctors today, conventionally trained doctors in the system of Western medicine, are not trained in anything we're talking about today. They get maybe one hour or one day of nutrition. They're trained in algorithmic application of big pharmacy. You know, I got these symptoms. I can use these drugs. Let me, Mike, try this on you. If that doesn't work, we'll try something else. It's a pill for an ill. And frankly, I'll just, I don't believe that's God's will. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's all coming into to stark relief, I think. So tell me, because uh, I'm fascinated by this food is medicine. Because something, you know, I am not a doctor, as you are, but uh, something, in, when I hear that, it resonates. I know deep down in my gut that there is something to that. I don't know what it is, but I know there's something to that. If you were redesigning the food pyramid, let's start simply. What would What changes would you make? I would put, uh, at the bottom of the pyramid, if we had to use a pyramid, I, I wouldn't use a pyramid, though. I'd probably use okay. maybe a, a, a circle. And now, the, in all fairness to the you know, the, the government, they have moved the pyramid now to something called my plate, but they haven't eliminated the problems. Yeah. So uh, I would have the the circle or the plate, I would have it in geographic sort of percentages. Mm. And I might put 75% of that plate to be above ground, non-root vegetables, mm. right? Mm. And then I would put about 10% of that plate to be fruits. Pretty cool. And then yeah. I would put the other 15% being good, clean proteins containing good, clean fats like avocado oil, coconut oil, um, macadamia nut oil, olive oil, etc. None of what I would prescribe would be sugars, None of it would be the grains, corn, dairy, and soy industry because, not because those things are inherently bad, but because the processing in today's world, in our country, has modified the structure of those so they're no longer congruent with the health of mankind. They're looked at as enemies. And so if you just took what I just said and put that over the top and everybody listening right now begin to employ, employ that, what you would see is a return of those pictures that you saw back in the 70s and 80s, back to those 70s and 80s beach body kind of pictures. Everybody has that capability and potential, and I do a lot of genetics too. I run a genetic panel, everybody that we, my wife and I deal with. And I can tell you we are not designed to be obese. Mm. Con job is they've got people believing that, well, you're type 2 diabetic because of your genes. Stop. The genes have changed 2%, Mike, in 10,000 years. Just 2%. It's mm. not the genes problem. It's an environmental problem. We have to change our environment, how we think, how we see things, how we hear things, how we speak things, and certainly what comes into our mouth. I heard you guys say something that really stuck with me. You said the solution to pollution is dilution. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we have to begin to uh, obviously dilute and delete the things that are causing us problems. I mean, clearly that that makes sense, right? We have to begin to drink our water too, because how do you get things out of your body uh, through detox, through waste Lots products, through sweating, urine, stool? I mean, our bodies are amazing process machines that do some things that I frankly will never understand. Mm. But I do know that if you give it the right material that comes from food, the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids, keep in mind, we do not 
live on calories. That is a faulty measurement that's ingrained in us. Wait, what? We don't live on calories. Mm. You you see a lot of these, um, and I won't talk about the names because it's irrelevant. Mm. A lot of people selling stuff mm-hmm. that are all about calories. You mm-hmm. need these calories to survive. We don't live on calories. We live on vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids, uh, nutrients. We live on nutrients in our food. There's a ton of calorie-oriented foods today that don't have nutrients. Mm-hmm. How's that working for you, America? How's that big mac and cheese bowl that you're selling out there working for you? How's that working in our children mm-hmm. that we're serving in school? It doesn't work. People need to get away from calories and start eating real food again. Tell us about gluteomorphins. Did I get that right? You did. Um, there's something called gluteomorphins, gliatomorphins, and caseomorphins. Notice the suffix on each of those is morphins. Yes. M-O-R-P-H-I-N-S. Now, let's just look at that word. It looks like and sounds like morphine, doesn't it? It does. The morphine binds to our own opioid receptors just like fentanyl, oxycodone, and heroin. When we eat those foods that are genetically, chemically altered, the way they're processed, like the breads and grains and dairies, the way they're processed in our world, they bind to our opioid receptors and they create a nice, pain-free, calming environment, which is why they're called comfort foods. Why do people go to ice cream and cookies when they are hurt and wounded? It is not something just as a treat. No, it's an addiction. Why do people get served free chips and dip and breads at restaurants? Because the restaurateurs aren't stupid. That's for profit. They got to make money. When I tell people to work to give those things up, you should see their eyes pop out of their head. They're like, I can't believe this. My eyes are popping out of my head right now. Yeah, and I'm telling you, if if we would just do that, we would see disease um, reversal in our world. And and I think that it's possible. My wife and I see this all the time, man. It's not something that's unusual to us. I mean, I I look at life pretty simply. If you do the right things for the right reasons, you you pretty much can get expected outcomes. You know, sometimes it works out that way, and sometimes it doesn't. But as a general rule, that's what you get. And um, we're trying to not make changes and expect changes to be made. Yeah. Now that's just continuing to prove that Einstein's a pretty smart guy. You know, the definition of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, you, you turned my world upside down there with that. I, I, is this why when you open up a, a a can of Pringles or whatever, then before you know it, you're like three quarters of the way down, down the tube before you stop. It is. Uh, Remember there was a commercial years ago. It was, was had the slogan, I bet you can't eat just one. Well, yeah. that's true. There is an addiction here that people have not really um, wanted to address. Um, the the restaurateurs, the food manufacturers, use a term. They don't call it, obviously, drugs or anything like that. They call it craveability. And mm-hmm. there's a whole science behind craveability. And we, what is a craveability? It makes you want to come back for more. Mm-hmm. You know, right? But one thing about our taste receptors, which is crazy, they they we're not born with our taste receptors to like certain foods. You can learn to like anything. 
you know? And so contrary to what we're told, you know, that's not the way it is either. And I, and this is interesting too, with sugars, sugar actually drives dopamine better and more efficiently than cocaine. So now we have this dopaminergic hit and this opioid hit at the same time. What about if you put those together in a food, man, you're going to hook people. Right. You're going to look, loop them in there and get them addicted to this standard American Western diet. That's going to kill you. It's, it's a, it's a trap. It's a faux food always leads to disease processes. Doc, is there anything that we've been told the truth about in our food supply over the last 34 years? Uh, from the government? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not that I can think of. And it, it's sad to me, you know, because I'm grateful to live in this country. Um, I've always tried to do my best and understand the the gratitude I have. You know, we have a country that still, you know, even though it's limited, even with media like this, we can still get on here and talk freely, you know. Now I can't tell you who's going to see it, but nobody's stopping us from doing this. This, we we are blessed to be able to do that. Other countries can't. They don't have the money to do that either, you know. But right. if the government today, and and I want people to hear this in the spirit, it's 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 said, the government today, the way it is, has no standing to tell us how to do anything regarding our health. Mm. based upon our health being the worst in the world. The government today has no standing in telling us what to do with our money based upon their 30-some-odd trillion-dollar debt they've racked up and don't know how to fix that. Mm. The government today has no standing in telling us how to raise our families. When you look at the way they've screwed up our world in regard to uh, confusion and allowing that to happen between even men and women, boys and girls, I mean, what a sick, twisted thing we have. And yet, we're still Americans, which gives us a chance to make a difference. And I always said this, and I'll continue to as long as I live. There's hope, man, as long as we decide as individuals to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Um, I don't ask for credit. What Mark said is right. You know what? There's truth in what was said today, and I'm going to make those changes, and I'm going to treat the person staring at me back in the mirror better so that I can actually do life and be a little more effective in how my life is is working. Well, whenever I get a little bit down about, because it's it's no easy thing to realize that everything in your life has basically been a lie. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we can laugh about it and we can joke about it, but it's, it's, there's a certain level of, of trauma that is introduced there yeah. when you realize that everything you've been living, you know, you have to now question and you have to wonder when did this all begin? How long, you know, have I been, have I been duped? It's sad to say it's been a, it's been a pretty long time, but then I'm also right after I have those thoughts, I'm also super encouraged that it's all coming to light. Now I say this, you know, whenever, uh, whenever I can, it's, it's a wondrous time to be alive to realize that we're coming out of this, and and the, the awakening is slow. Um, I'm sure you you you're experiencing the same thing. It's slow going, but the progress is real, and it's it's measurable. I feel like is that how you see it? I do. I have great hope. A lot of people don't, but I do. I mean, I can look at our country and go, you know what? It might not be in the place we want it to be. But the spirit of America is still very much alive, and it's actually been reborn. It's actually been re- rekindled, if you will. It's it's fired up in people. 
And the spirit of America is really the entrepreneurialistic spirit, which means that I can do anything I want, when I want, how I want. Nobody's going to tell me how to do it. And the big government out there is not something that I need to protect me, to feed me, to clothe me, to uh, provide for me. No, I do that myself because I live in America. And, And that's the thing. I think that's where people are right now. We have been duped. We've been conned. And part of it's our fault, you mm-hmm. know, for for not staying connected with people. Yes. We've got more connected with media than we have people. We yes. look at the news to figure out what's going on instead of ask other people what's going on. We've got a lack of leadership in our world yes. that have sold out for big money, Yes, which is the oldest temptation of, of all time, you know, money, fame, power, influence, you know, wealth. And and we've got to get back to the roots again. And um, I look at it like with a hopeful attitude because um, I, I don't think our country – I mean, yeah, we're having problems now with obvious things, border and all the things I mentioned in addition to more stuff. But you know what? There's still probably – you know, 100 million Americans out here that still have their guns and still have their hope and maybe still have some sense of moral code or compass that you're not going to take it away from them. They're going to fight to the death with that. And and those people have been sparked again. Are they all joined together in every little belief system? No. Will they ever be? No. That's the spirit of Americanism, too, you know. That we don't agree with everything, but by gosh, we'll fight for our freedom. You know, freedom to believe. I, I don't fault anybody for saying what you want to say, believe what you want to believe, man. But um, we got to hang on to that, and we got to quit hating on each other, man, and begin to get back to these core issues right now. And I think the last three years have given us an opportunity for that. And I think, frankly, it needed to happen because we were heading even a worse direction. If we didn't have this COVID mess, you know, and it kind of woke everybody up. I think that's I think that's absolutely right. And I think that um, folks like you and your wife are leading the way. Tell us about the Functional Medical Institute and what you guys do. Well, we lead people down a pathway of true healing. That's our mission statement. Now, whatever that means to people, it can. It is. It will be. But we have two purposes that we accomplish to get the, that statement done. And one purpose is we eliminate all uses of unnecessary medication. Mm. I didn't say some's not necessary, but we don't depend on medication to heal us. Medication was never designed to heal us. It's been out there to manage conditions that can't be managed other ways. Mm. The second thing that we want to accomplish and we do is eradicate all self-imposed choice-driven disease processes. And there's a lot. And we see disease reversal, certainly disease avoidance, but how do you test that? We see these processes all the time, and uh, we're able to reach about 3 million people now around the world every year. We have about 12,000. That is no small number. No, we have 12,000 people we deal with, and um, I think that it's been a a journey, but that's been my wife and I's purpose to kind of maybe lead the way in the hope you know, for people out there and hopefully that people that we've been able to teach into their lives will be fired up to teach other people. Well, I think that's great. And you're, you're one of the, you're one of the few people out there, sir, who, who walk the walk. Um, You know, you ran for office a couple of years ago. You, you're a police officer of many, many years. You're 
think you also told me you were a baseball player at one point. Yeah, so you- I was a baseball player as well. And, you know, we've, we've been, we've got to do a lot of stuff, but again, I look at the freedom in my country to do that. How, how do you get to do that? You know, how do you get the opportunity? We've been able to write, um, I guess four now best-selling books, produce five movies. How do you do that? You, you only can you do that in America. You don't have to That's have right. a car to do that. You just That's go right. do it, man. That's and right. and and if if it inspires somebody, great. That's cool. But I'm just here to tell people to 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 do something different, to take ownership of your life, and and quit blaming the circumstances you were in on somebody else. It's a it's a terrific message, and you guys are doing. You guys are doing the Lord's work. Tell the folks where they can find you online, uh, your coordinates, your website, your social media, all that stuff. Yeah, Mike, I really appreciate you for even allowing me to be on. People can go to Sherwood.tv, and all of our stuff is there. All of our media there is a way to contact, get in contact with all of our media, subscribe to stuff that's free. We give a lot of stuff away, and um, that's kind of what we want. If people want to work with us, they can. We do a free webinar once per month. Again, the word free, and people can watch the webinar and then ask us questions. And it's really us. It's not some surrogates that we have in there. Yeah, They can contact us. They have emails on there. and uh, But all of it's found right there at Sherwood.tv. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you for coming by, sir. It's always a fascinating conversation. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.